man, that's great. Uh, my name is James. I work with the youth here. Uh, I have a couple quick announcements. Uh, Christmas for kids. If you awesome. Uh, if you have recommendations of families you would like to recommend uh, recommend uh, for Christmas for kids, please sign them up in the back so that we can contact them, so we can, you know, kind of go through that process and get that process started. I believe the sign-ups end in two weeks, you said? Sign-ups end in two weeks, so don't be like, oh, I'll get, I'll get there today, tomorrow, something like that, email, those kinds of things. Um, the next one is, if you are alone this Thanksgiving, if your family's out of town and you're kind of on the Central Coast or you're in Santa Maria alone and don't really have anywhere to go, uh, on Thanksgiving, the Ernests are opening their home to anyone who's willing to come or who wants to come. Um, so if that is something that interests you, you can email Ernest at ourelement.org and they'll give you their address so you can come and hang out with them and eat turkey with them because that's just awesome. Uh, the next thing is we are going to see The Hobbit on December 16th, okay? We tried to get a 2D showing. They're not even sure if they're showing it in 2D, so we bought 3D showing, okay? costs $15, but you get the cool glasses, and you don't have to give them back. I don't care what they say. You don't have to give them back. Um, so uh, uh, we're going to go do that. Tickets will be on sale next week. Please come. Please buy a ticket. Aaron told me to tell you, if you don't buy a ticket, and we don't sell enough tickets, he's going to get in a lot of trouble because we got the whole theater, and so we need everyone to go. Um, but this is, a, this is a great way to buy a ticket for your friend and then have a friend come, have a neighbor come, and, and invite your neighbors. Um, it's a super kind of cool way to get them plugged in and get them involved and get them kind of just uh, around and, and involved in the community. So um, that's, uh, that's what we're doing. That's what's coming up. Buy your tickets next week. It's going to be awesome. I'm very, very excited for The Hobbit. Uh, All right, will you guys stand with me for the reading of God's word? This is Psalms 34, 18 and 19. Uh, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Will you guys pray with me? Uh, God, we thank you for being a God who delivers us, uh, who delivers us out of, uh, out of hardship and, and, and who is there with us during hardship. Uh, God, I pray that we would be a people who would truly seek you. God, we wouldn't seek you just when times are good, um, but we would seek you uh, when times are hard and when life, uh, when life is no fun and when life is bitter. Uh, God, I pray that you would be with us today. And in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are in Genesis chapter 26 today. If you have a Bible, you can open to Genesis chapter 26. Um, now, today might be one of those times where you think, James, we've talked about this before. I know this story, okay? I don't know if you have those friends who tell the same story over and over and over again, and it's like the 25th time you've heard the story, and you don't know if you're supposed to just interrupt them or finish the story for them. You're like, I don't know what you want me to do, but I know this story. Um, you might get that feeling today because it's very, very similar, but I promise you we're not backtracking. We're not telling the same story. So uh, Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. That was in Genesis chapter 12. Um, when Isaac went to, and Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, Dwell in the land in which I shall tell you. Um, 
So God appears and says, don't go to Egypt. Okay. I would imagine that Isaac's dad, Abraham, had a very similar conversation with Isaac. Don't go to Egypt. Bad things happen in Egypt. When Abraham went to Egypt, he picked up a girlfriend, which is usually a problem when you're married. So God is saying, don't go to Egypt, just like his dad said, don't go to Egypt. And, and Isaac is faced with the same temptation as his dad. Verse 3. Uh, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and I will bless you uh, for you and your offsprings. I will give these lands. I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offsprings as the stars in the heavens and I will give your offspring all these lands and in your offspring. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. So he doesn't go to Egypt. Awesome, okay? Now, before you get all crazy excited and start throwing your hands in the air that he's not as dumb as his dad, um, we got to read verse 7. Verse 7. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. Yeah, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? <clears throat> For he feared to say my wife, thinking, least the men of the place should kill me because of Rebecca, because she was attractive in appearance. Okay? So he doesn't go to Egypt but he tells people that his wife is his sister. I, I, I have to think, did his dad not talk to him about this? Did his dad not say, you know, don't go to Egypt and women don't like when you pimp them out? I, I would think that that would be like a hand-in-hand conversation, that that would go all together. Um, but he does, and he falls kind of short to the same temptation and same sins as his dad. And, and here's kind of how I see it. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you, when you were growing up, said, I will never be like my parents? Okay, for you guys, you said, I will never be like my dad. For you ladies, I will never be like my mom. Maybe I will never turn around when I'm driving and say, don't make me turn this car around. <laughs> Yet today, when you're driving to church and your kids have been inside all weekend because it's raining and they're crazy in the back, you turn around and go, don't make me turn this car around. And you go, oh my gosh, I'm my dad. What happened to me? I said I would never do this. Um, same thing kind of here. So uh, verse 8, when he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out of a window and saw Isaac was laughing uh, with his wife, Rebekah. Now, some of your translations will say caressing. Uh, some of your translations will say enjoying his wife, Re- Rebekah, which I think it's funny that they use the word laughing because I don't know what that says about Isaac. But um, just so you guys kind of understand how funny this situation is, Abimelech is one of the guys that Abraham tried to pimp his wife out to. Isaac is scared and kind of trying to pimp out his wife to Abimelech. It's the same dude. It's, I don't understand how this happens. And so he looks out the window and he sees them doing something. And he goes, the last time somebody told me that their sister or their wife was their sister, God showed up and almost killed me. Okay, I'm not having that again. So verse nine. So Abimelech called Isaac and said, behold, she is your wife. Then how could you say she is my sister? Isaac said to them, because I thought least I die because of her. Abimelech said, what is this you have done to us? One of the people might have easily lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech warned all the people saying, whoever touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Okay, Abimelech has the same reaction he has with Abraham. Correction. You see that Abimelech corrects Abraham. Abimelech also corrects Isaac. It's the same 
thing. You got the moral unbeliever correcting the unmoral believer. And in Genesis, you're going to see this over and over again, just like we have seen it over and over again, is that Christians aren't always good and non-Christians aren't always bad. Christians have simply been saved by grace. It doesn't make us any less of a sinner. Okay, Christians aren't any better. For, for Christians, for us to walk around thinking, acting, talking like we're better is wrong. It's, it's pride. It's sin. Proverbs 29, 23 says, One's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. So Isaac receives correction and changes. And this is what happens next. Verse 12. Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. So he makes a ton of money. Um, the Lord blessed him and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks, of herds, and many servants so that the Philistines envied him. So Isaac builds this business. He works in Gerar and God provides for him and God makes him very, very wealthy. Now, just because God provided in this way for Isaac and made him very wealthy is not saying that God is going to provide for you in this way and make you very, very wealthy. Okay? God will provide, but it's not guaranteed that we're all going to be millionaires. It's just not going to happen. Okay? Some people have looked at this verse and they've go, and they said, uh, God said to Isaac to stay in Gerar and made him wealthy. God's telling me to stay in Santa Maria, and so he's going to make me very wealthy. Probably not, okay? Now, it's not wrong to have stuff. It's not wrong to buy new toys. It's not wrong to have money as long as we're being righteous with our money. It's being smart with how we spend and how we set up our budgets. It's being righteous with our finances and our budgets, no matter how big your budget may be or how small your budget would be. You know, our question, our thought should not always be, I need more money. Our, our thought should be, am I being righteous with the money that God has given me? Am I worshiping? Am I praising? Is God getting glory by the way I'm setting up my finances, rich or poor? And so maybe God will make you wealthy. Maybe. Uh, this verse is not promising that. I think the entirety of Genesis chapter 26 is promising something much, much different than wealth. I think it's promising something along these lines. Verse 15. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So he starts doing really good in business, and people start getting really mad. You guys know the saying, more money, more problems? Those who listen to Biggie? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he's in a completely new tax bracket, and people are angry about that they're very very angry that he is making money and, and this is kind of how you have to see this uh, imagine this um, your dad builds these wells which means nothing to us so your dad sets up a business and, and this business does really really good and he opens a couple different branches in a couple different cities and then as your dad grows older and, and, and kind of you know is, is elderly and, and maybe even on his deathbed some of some of the businesses start closing down and people kind of just graffiti them or burn them down or something like that um and then finally uh your dad dies and he gives you this business and you're like thanks um and so you completely revive this business you take this one 
branch and you completely revive it and you start doing really good and you make lots and lots of money with this and it's not that you're cheating people out of their money you're being righteous with your money you're making an honest living maybe you get your kids involved in a good school maybe you buy a house those kinds of things it's like life is finally getting easier and and what most of us would consider better and so now what we want to do is take a step back and kind of enjoy some of the fruits of our labor but people don't want to let you enjoy some of the fruits of the labor. Okay? People want to be angry with you because you made money and they didn't. People burn down your business and tell you to leave town. They filled in his well and told him to leave town. So this is what Isaac does. Verse 17. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac just leaves. And this is what really stands out to me is that Isaac closes down his business and shows grace and mercy to the people living there. You see, Isaac could have fought this. He could have said, this is my property. You have no right. This is my lawful property. But instead, he leaves. When he's faced with the choice to follow God or follow money, he follows God. He's losing his job, his business, his house, his property, so that he can show people God's grace, God's mercy, and eventually God's forgiveness. He loses what most of us would consider everything, so that God's name can be made great. I think that if this was us, we'd have a very different reaction. I think we would go, this is my money, this is my house, this is my business. You have no right trying to take this from me. I worked hard for this. I deserve this. And we try and keep it all close. I'm going to hoard all this because this is what I worked for. Where Isaac kind of takes a step back, lets it go, and he goes, this is God's. God blessed me with this. God provided this for me. And if God's taking it away, if God's telling me to move, fine, I'll do that. It's all in God's hands. I trust God. It's more important that people know God than it is for Isaac to be rich. It's more important for for people to know who God is by the way we live our lives than for us to be rich. And so he moves. He starts a new business. And he goes from, from righteous rich to not so rich but still righteous. Verse 18. Isaac dug again the wells of water that had been dug in the days of Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father gave them. So he starts building again. He digs these wells that some idiots filled in. And so this is his trade, and so he sets up shop somewhere else. 19. When Isaac's servants dug in the valley, they found there a well of spring water. The herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, This water is ours. So Isaac and his bros, they they dig a well, and then some men roll up on their camels, which is like modern-day Harleys, I guess. They they get out with, like, chains and, like, a baseball bat, and they go, this water's ours. What do you mean this water's yours? You didn't dig this water. You didn't dig this well. This isn't your property. You have no rightful say to this. And they go, yeah, but I got a baseball bat. Valid point. Um, And so, I mean, this is a... Good example of un- unrighteous poor here. Um, but I mean, some of you, you might know this person. You might know this person who, who lets everyone else do all the work and then at the last minute kind of gets in line and gets to the front of the line and takes all the credit. Okay? Some of you might work for that guy. Okay? Some of you, y- you might be this guy where you have enough big enough, you have a big enough personality or or you have a, uh, a nice enough personality where people will kind of just let you con them. Or, or you can fight or bully or argue your way into getting something that's not actually yours. 
Second Thessalonians 3.10 says, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. And, and so right here you see that Isaac is faced with a choice. And, and this is what he does. 20. He called the name of the well Ezek, which means dispute, because they contended with him. Verse 21. They dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also, so he called its name Sitna, which means opposition. So people fight, he leaves. He builds another well, people fight with him over that, and and he leaves. At this point, I think most of us would be buying a gun and calling it a business investment because this gun's going to make us some money. People aren't going to mess with us anymore. Uh, And and it's getting ridiculous. I mean, again and again and again, people who have no rightful or legal claim to this well, to this this land, come in and swoop it. And here's kind of how I see it. Okay, I'm going to make this kind of hopefully come alive for you on the Central Coast. Isaac's dad builds a business that does good throughout the Central Coast. Abraham builds that, okay? While Abraham is is growing older, some of those branches close down, and he keeps one branch alive in Santa Barbara. Not doing so good, but it's still alive. Abraham dies, passes on that business to Isaac. Isaac takes that branch in Santa Barbara and does really, really good really good people in santa barbara decide they don't like how isaac how well isaac is doing so they burn down his business and make him move so he comes up to santa maria opens up another business up here it does okay people go hey that's a great business leave town it's ours now bummer then he moves to lompoc he's in lompoc and and he builds another business there and 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 people kind of swoop in on that and he's like i don't really know where else to go where people aren't going to take my wells I'm just going to go to Gary. So he moves to Gary and sets up a shop in Gary. Okay? Awesome. Verse 22. This is kind of how it goes. Verse 22. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it because it's in Gary. No one wants it. Um, So he called this name Rehoboth, which means room, saying, For now the Lord has made room for us. We shall be fruitful in this land. You see that God blessed him and provided for him in Santa Barbara, where there is a big market. God blessed him and provided for him in Santa Maria, where there's a good market. God blessed him and provided for him in Lompoc, where there's a decent market. He goes, God can bless me and provide for me in Gary, where there is no market. God provides, both in good and bad, God provides. He isn't saying, God, you were there in good times and that was awesome, but now that life is difficult, why don't you take a back seat? I'll drive. I got it from here. He says, God is good even when life isn't. When life is difficult, when life is awful, God is still there. God is still close. God remains to be good. This is something that we need to understand like Isaac understands. Letting go and going, God will provide. Verse 23. From there, he went up to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him at the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Um, Real quick, because they told me not to worry about time so much. Um, I think that this should be the goal of you who are dads in this room. If, If you're a dad, this is what you want God to say to your kids. I am the God of your dad, and then your kid, go, I know who you are. You're a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And and my dad told me about how you saved him, how you loved him, and and these kinds of things. If God reveals himself to your kids and goes, I'm the God of your dad, your kids should be stoked that God is there. So this is Isaac's reaction, uh, or 
God continues, fear not, for I am with you and I will bless you and I will multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. So Isaac built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. So God shows up and he builds an altar. Essentially what he does is he, is he holds a church service. Okay? I don't know about you, but I don't know if this would be the first idea in my head. Okay? If all my businesses were gone, if, if life was really difficult, if I was living in a nice house in Santa Barbara and now living, renting a house in Gary, I, I don't know how excited I would be. I don't know how worshipful I would be. But God shows up and his reaction is, we need to hold a church service so that everyone can worship. Righteous poor right there. He, he, it's incredible. He doesn't accuse God. He's not questioning God. He's not saying, God, where were you? God, why haven't you provided? God, how could you let this happen to me? He goes, everyone in my family and everyone of my friends needs to worship right now because God is still good, even though life isn't. We see Isaac doesn't just worship God when times are good and money is flowing. He worships God when times are hard, when he doesn't have a job, when he doesn't have a house. When it seems that everyone is out to get him, he still worships. We should worship like Isaac does here. Worshiping God by faith. We don't worship God because he's given us money or because he's he's given us a perfect family or a perfect spouse or made us to look like a model or, or something like that. We don't worship God by sight. We worship God by faith. Through faith, we believe. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't worship God because what's in front of us. We don't judge the goodness of God by what's in front of us. We judge the goodness of God by the cross. That is something that we need to continue to come back to. God is good all the time. We worship even when times are hard. So it continues in verse 26. When Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Athuzah, his advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his army, Isaac said to them, why have you come to me, seeing that you hate me and you have sent me away from you? So Abimelech and his bros come and they want to talk with, with Isaac. Verse 26, they say, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. How cool is that? In all this, Isaac has held on to his witness. He's still showing people that God is a God full of grace. And, and I think partly this is maybe what it comes down to. I'm sure that Isaac grew a ton through this experience, but also maybe Abimelech grew through this. Maybe Isaac went through this so that Abimelech could see that God is good, that God is full of grace. Maybe the hard times we go through is not God punishing us, but it's God testing us. It's it's for the people around us. It's for our children to see if we follow God like we claim to. It's for our co-workers to see if we are anything like the God we claim to love and follow so much. Maybe it's not about you and me. Verse 28. Uh, so he said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us. Let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done nothing to good, nothing but good to you and have sent you away in peace. We now know that you are blessed by the Lord. That's kind of the understatement of the year. We've done nothing to you and sent you away in peace uh, after we took your house and burnt down your business and took, you know, your money and everything. But, hey, at least we didn't beat you up. That's pretty, that's pretty peaceful, right? 
And this is his reaction to this. Verse 30. He made them a feast, and they ate and drank. The guys who made him move four times. The guys who made his life what we would think awful. He goes, come into my house. Let me cook you a meal. This is my couch, and this is my seat in my couch. Why don't you sit here? This is my remote. Here, watch whatever you want. He says, let's be friends. He befriends them. Matthew 5, 44 and 45 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. You see, Isaac does exactly what God does for us. So much of the time we say, God, leave. God, I don't want you in my life. God, I don't want you in this part of my life or this part of my life. God, I'm not willing to give up this area of my life. And and essentially we make enemies with God. And God says, come into my house. Sit at my table. Welcome to my family. Let's be friends. You see, Isaac is full of grace and love and mercy, just like God is full of grace and love and mercy towards us. Isaac lets it go, just like Christ lets go of the sins we commit. Now, this doesn't mean that life is easy now. This doesn't mean that Isaac forgets. This doesn't mean that there aren't any consequences or or repercussions for, for their actions, but it means there's forgiveness, just like there's forgiveness for us. And it's amazing kind of how this all works out. And then verse 31. In the morning they rose and exchanged oaths, and Isaac sent them on their way, and they departed from him in peace. That same day Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug, and they said to him, We found water. He called it Sibbath. Uh, Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba um, to this day. So Isaac digs again. He finds water again. He sets up another business. And we look at this, and this verse 33 kind of ends on this super happy note. And we look at this and we go, how great is that? It's a happy ending. I love a happy ending. It's like a Disney movie. Let's all go get lunch now. Praise Jesus, everything works out. But that's not how the chapter ends. Verse 34. When Esau, Isaac's son, was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Barry the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemith which is a great name for a daughter, base math, um, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. His son essentially marries a couple trailer park beauty pageant contest winners, um, and it stresses him out. Stresses him out to no end. They are not very nice to him. They make life bitter for him again. It's not a Disney story ending. It's it's real life, and his life was bitter. And this is kind of the pattern I see in this chapter. A test with his faith to stay in Gerar leads to a test with his family, with his wife. That test leads to a test with his finances, which again leads to a test with his faith and finances, which again leads to a test with his family. It's this test after test after test after test after test after test. And this is how it's like in a lot of our lives. And But instead of reacting like Isaac reacts, we kind of have this different reaction. We think, if I could just get to this point, life would be perfect. If I could just make this much more money, life would be great. If I just had this figured out, life would be good. Life would be perfect. And it never really gets there. 
Maybe we get more money and then our kind of faith falls apart. And so we work on that for a while. And then you're out in the backyard and you're shoveling a sprinkler line and you throw your back out because you're 57 and you can't dig a sprinkler line like you could when you were 17. And it really makes you mad. And so a test with that goes to a test with finances. And then maybe your teenage daughter brings home some boy and you go out and you buy a shotgun and you go, I don't want to use this, but I will. Um, and it's kind of this, this, this test after test. And we always think, if I just got to this point, life would be perfect. But it never really gets there. Never really gets there. Life isn't going to be perfect. I'm not saying life is going to constantly be bitter and life is constantly going to be test and test and test and test. But it never gets to the point of perfection. But let me tell you what, what will happen, what is going to happen. God is going to continue to remain good. Not because he does everything we want, not because he's made you a millionaire, not because all your ducks are in a row, not because you have great kids who always listen to you, not because you have a perfect spouse. That's not why God is good. God is good because instead of hatred and bitterness and judgment, God offers love and forgiveness and mercy. Because even though life might be tough and your money might be tight and your kids are going crazy and your marriage is in a tailspin and maybe your season of singleness is really just taking a toll on you, God is there. God is near. God provides. God loves. Jesus came to the cross and died so that we could be set free from Satan, sin, and death. That is why God is good. This is something that Isaac gets to worship God in all stages of life. And I love his reaction when God shows up. It's, let's hold a church service. Just like you and me, every week, come to a church service. And we go, no matter where we are in life, no matter if life is good or life is bad, no matter if finances are are our budgets are big or our budgets are small. No matter where you're at with your spouse or your kids or anything, we go, God is good. And we get together as a body of believers and worship God because he continues to be good. This is why we come to communion every single week. Every single week we come and we take this cracker, which represents his body, and we break it like his body was broken for us, and we dip it in the wine or the grape juice, which represents his blood that was that was spilled for us and we go god we thank you for being good we thank you for taking this death so that we don't have to we thank you for forgiving us of our sins we every week we we sing songs and the band's going to come up and they're going to play a few songs um and i asked aaron to play a a a certain song today uh and and it's quickly becoming one of my favorite songs and and it's a song called oh god um and it's kind of difficult to sing along with uh just warning you, Aaron says he even has a hard time singing along with it, so it's kind of difficult to sing along with, but the words are so good. So even if you can't sing along, really pay attention to the words that are being said and, and let those kind of just hit you. We worship God through uh, tithes and offerings. If money is tight or, or if you've got a big budget, we try and be righteous with the money that God has given us. It's not, a, do I, it's not, can I get more money? It's, it's, God, let me be righteous. Let me glorify you with the money you have, you have given me. We worship God through prayer. There's going to be um, elders or deacons in, in the back who are willing to pray with you. And if life is hard, if life is bitter right now, uh, go to the back and pray with them. They, that's why they're there. We'd love to pray with you. And then lastly, we worship God through um, fellowship. We worship God through community. Uh, there are 
muffins or some kind of delicious food in the back. I think there were some donuts back there. Um, go to the back and, and maybe talk with someone new. Get to know them. Invite some people to your gospel community. Do life with people. When life is good, you're there with people. When life is bad, you're there with people. People who are around you who want to see you glorify Christ, who will keep you accountable and who will help you through both good and bad seasons in life. We cannot be a people who forget that God is good even when life isn't. So will you guys pray with me? Uh, God, we just, uh, we thank you for coming and dying for us. Coming and, and taking upon our guilt, our shame, coming and dying the death that we deserve, and, and in return offering friendship, offering a place at your table, offering a place in your family. God, make us into your children who truly love you, who love you with everything we have, with our faith with our family, with our friends, with our community, with our money. God, it would all be for your glory. And people would come to know you and who you are by the way we live. God, be with us this week as we seek you. And in Jesus' name, amen.